Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer to begin Season 5. How, how do you feel about Season, season five, 5 of the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast? I am excited. That, that means we four years, four whole years of every week doing tour portions. I feel like I have eternity because it just seems like it's nothing. Oh man, if we could do this in eternity. Oh man. Wouldn't that because then we'd like know the people. So like instead of like talking about the tour portion, like reading is like, hey, so Moses, like how did you feel about that? Th- that's gonna be outstanding. <laughs> Who are you gonna want to talk to first? Everybody, all at once. <laughs> Probably the first one I can get to. Yeah. Whoever's you know, available. I'm like Oh, there's the Apostle Paul. I got. I got to. I got to talk to him. Which I'm not, not going to like go hunt for somebody because there might be a long line and I don't have my fast right. Pass. But I, exactly, I have this I feeling that it won't be a big deal because I'll be like, oh, it's no big deal. I got all the time in the world. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, wow. So we're starting season five. This is exciting. It sure um, is. It's time. And uh, we are obviously Christians with Torah, and we're not changing from Christians with Torah, but we are going to be starting the book of Matthew. And so we're going to be taking the book of Matthew, and so kind of like how we take Yeshua and we show him yeah, we can find in him. the Torah, yeah. we are going to take the, the New Testament, right. right? And we're going to start showing the Torah and Yeshua. A new season. In the New Testament, right? A new it's podcast. A, a new season. Praise you know, God. I, I, I listen to this uh, historical podcast. They talk about history. And so, like, they'll be talking like World War II, the German side of it, or the Russian side of it. Oh. And so there's different different levels of subject matter, like, sure. you know, submarine warfare in the, in the you know, in the uh, in World War II with the Japanese and everything. You've got, uh, you know, just, um, it's a straight up podcast, but there's a variety of subjects now. Sure. That I think people are going to be interested in. I, I, th- I love podcasts, you know, like in the morning sometimes when I'm working out. I listen out. to them in the car. I was listening to the Federalist Papers, and this is just a guy like commenting, giving a summary of like the Federalist Papers, which I, obviously is an odd topic to the Federalists. Uh, and it uh, the Federalist Papers, and then they just read the paper, like right? so, like number one, like an episode will be like one of the essays. Wasn't uh, Alexander Hamilton was a Federalist? So Alexander Hamilton wrote two thirds of the Federalist Papers. That's what I'm saying. And yeah, another guy named John Jay, and then there's another you know yeah. guy. And I only know that offhand because I was literally listening to the Federalist Papers this morning. You know. Yeah. So, um, but thank God for what they did because we have the freedoms that we have today. And actually, right now, freedom is in danger. Right. So I mean, it's only what one generation away from being extinct. So I mean, it's important that we continue to speak God's word and it. to put it out there. Amen. Uh, all right, so our, we have one announcement. Our one announcement is that this coming Shabbat, we have Mike Williams. Uh, you guys may be familiar with Mike Williams. You can Google him. Um, he's a comedian and a Dove Award winner. So he's clean comedy, Christian comedy. Oh, yeah. Very, very, very funny Check guy. him out on YouTube, Mike um, Williams. Yep. And, and our YouTube channel when he was here. Right, and he has been here before, and he also has a, a ministry in the Dominican Republic. Awesome man of God, um, and so we're excited to host him this Shabbat, this Saturday at 11 a.m. So if you're around in town and you want to see Mike Williams uh, and you want to come and laugh and maybe cry a little bit, that's it. Uh, he can make you do both. You know, he uh, definitely does that. So we're going to jump in to the Gospel. We are of Matthew. We are. So the inspiration is, you know, it's time to go into the New Testament um, because Matthew, you know. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew presents Yeshua, the Son of God, as a king, and we are his subjects. Amen. So because of all the uncertainty in life today and, and the vacuum of, a, of good leadership, uh, we need to get back to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's Lord in our life. So we want to understand the kingdom of God. Yeah. And that's why I get along with the pastors so well, even though we have the Hebrews of the Christian faith, is because they're kingdom-minded. Right. 
so that it's easy for us to adapt and come together and be united. Right. Even though, of course, we have church on Saturday. Well, and we have the same king. That's it. So with that, you know, and also the inspiration was uh, to go into this gospel and, and also to show the cross-references that will be found throughout each podcast that will lead you to and guide you to. Yeah. And then as we reflect on that, we can dig a little deeper into those cross-references. Yeah. Because they're going to tell us more for today than, than, than we needed yesterday. So yeah. for, it's going to become relevant. So once again, the Gospel of Matthew presents Yeshua, the Son of God, as a king, and we are his subjects. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew was written by Matthew, whose name means gift of Jehovah, and he left his occupation of collecting taxes. Yeah, Matisyao, right? Yes, so we're letting Scripture interpret Scripture. Uh, Matthew is also known as Levi, the son of Alphaeus, or Alphaeus, yeah. uh, Mark 2.14. So once again, uh, we're, we're, we're digging a little, a little deeper here to know that he has another name. He's known as also uh, Levi. So... Um, Let's go ahead and look at, um, let's go ahead and read the first, I think we can read the first, uh, let's go ahead and read all the way up to verse 7. So Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, the genealogy of Jesus. All let's right. Let's just jump right in here. So here we go. This is in the New King James. It's a lot easier to read the names in the New King James. Um, it says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nishan, and Nishan begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz uh, begot Obed by Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam, and Rehoboam begot Abijah, and Abijah begot Asa. Wow. There's, a, there's quite a few generations right there. Right. So, so how many generations does Matthew list in regards to the genealogy so of Yeshua? So there's 42 total generations, right? So it, and it lists it out. 40, 14, 14, But it's and not 14. all inclusive. Just so everybody knows, if you study it, some people were left out. If you go back and look at it and study it and look at it. Gotcha. So, so it's meaning not, left out of the line or? Yeah, basically that there's, they're, they're mentioning 42 generations, but it's not, it's not detailed fully. Gotcha. So okay. You, you can go back and study that for yourself. Once again, just the genealogy alone can cause a discussion. Sure. You know, uh, there's a lot of ways that we can go with this. Um, but like I said, you know, even to the point of, uh, which I like to edit it as we go and maybe add some things that the Messiah would come from the line of Judah. Yeah. So that's important to mention or do, but I didn't do that in this particular outline. I wanted to bring out some other points. Uh, but we're going to follow the same format that we did for the, uh, you know, for the, the Torah, Torah portions. portions. Yeah. That we actually get to read. We have questions. We have discussions, points that we want to make. Yeah. But the beauty of it is that you can take this anywhere you want because there's so much in here that we're just going to just not bite off more than we can chew. Right. We want to be able to discuss these two or three subjects within each week. Sure. Because some chapters might need three or four <laughs> yeah. breakdowns. Right, right, right. You know, so that way we're not just trying to get through something. Right. Yeah, because even some of the sermons of, of Jesus, you know, they're very extensive and they all are in yeah. one chapter, you know. And commentary is kind of interesting as you go and look, look at some of the Christian commentary or some of the commentary, just because it's like a trigger you know, to get you thinking or looking sure. in, in a deeper meaning because they've done all the work yeah. to that point. I'll give you an example. Uh, what five women are mentioned in the genealogy of Yeshua? Yep. It's, uh, so there's, there's five women, as you said. This is the King James yeah, language. Tamar, uh, Rahab, which is Rahab, right. Ruth, Bathsheba, who's referred to as the wife of Uriah. Oh, yeah. That's mentioned. Yep. And Mary. Uh, the inclusion of five women in Yeshua's genealogy is unusual since descent was usually traced through men as the head of the family. Rahab and Ruth were Gentiles, and Tamar, Rahab, and Bathsheba were women of questionable character. Right. The lineage is comprised of men, women, adulterers, prostitutes, heroes, and Gentiles, and Yeshua will be savior of all. Hallelujah. So it's kind of interesting how you throw the women into the genealogy. Yeah. Just trying, Matthew's trying to prove something, you know. Of course, he is Jewish. He's a tax collector. Right. 
but uh, you know he, well, and, he realizes and all of these women that are mentioned, all five of them, all have like an asterisk next to their name, right? You know, Tamar right. being the daughter-in-law of, and wife of Judah. <laughs> That's right? right. And then, you know, Rahab being a prostitute, Ruth, uh, Ruth being a Moabite. That's um, right. And then there's some speculation that she's even a Moabite priestess. Um, and then uh, Bathsheba being the former wife of Uriah, who uh, was a friend of David, but that David ended up, you know, in an effect murdering uh, in order to have her as his wife. And he already had wives and concubines. Right. It and, just goes to show you that lust is never full. Right. And then the asterisk next to Mary is obvious, right? A virgin. Who conceives a child? Yeah, um, you know the immaculate conception. We're going to get into that. Yeah. So let's look at the birth of Yeshua. I'm going to read a few verses here uh, just to just to get things going here. Um, we're going to start with verse 18, the birth of, of Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when, as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary for thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son and shall uh, call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So we have two basic uh, subject matters here. We have the genealogy of Yeshua, and then we, of course, are going to uh, be setting up for his birth. So those two things is all we're talking about. Well, the whole point of this is, you know, just like we said that the whole Torah points to Yeshua, right? But here's a picture of all of these characters from the Torah, <laughs> right? And how all of that points to Yeshua, because you're literally looking through the Torah and the writings, you know, when, all the way up to, obviously, once you get past um, Moses, you know, and that whole generation, it goes past there, and then it continues through. Um, of course, you know, it's interesting that for the Messiah to be born, it needed to be a virgin. Right. Because the other women were a little, you know... Questionable. Questionable. I mean... But they were still part of the lineage for him to receive the scepter. Right. But God had to do the uh, the immaculate conception. Well, that's proof that, that God can use anybody. Um, that's right. You know, we say that these women that are listed, um, that some of them were of questionable character, but like their questionable character, the men listed next to them <laughs> by virtue, right, are also of questionable character by taking them in or of great character because they took them in, like in the case of Rahab, um, you know, being the opposite of, you know, say the Tamar situation where she, you know, Judah exclaiming, she's more righteous than I or whatever. But, well, you know, but, but thank you, Holy Spirit. The thing is for me, what really gets me and it just, the thought just crossed my mind. How many Christians are willing to join up with Judah? Mm. Because that's what Rahab did. She goes, remember me, put this cloth on your house and we'll spare you. Yeah. See, for what you've done. Right. And then she ends up being in the camp. She ends up being a part of the lineage. Right. Of the and Messiah. Like, even Ruth. I mean, she had a Moabite life. Yeah. And she goes to Naomi and marries the son and she crosses over. Yeah. And she comes alongside the Jewish people. That's why I think in the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement, that's what's missing. We need to come alongside the Jewish people in our faith as they respect us and we respect them, but we need to support them. We need to be active participants, boots on the ground, somehow, some way, something. Yeah, amen. I mean, I'm just saying that because that was the difference between those five women is that they were absorbed into the house of Israel, the lineage. They were actually absorbed into the, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right, because so, we, we, we don't know, like we we think that Tamar is an Adulamite, but we don't really know that she's an Adulamite, right? Because right. it doesn't really say. Rahab, a Gentile from Jericho, right? right? Ruth, a Moabitess. True. So, so the first three yeah. are all you could speculate brought in. We got to be careful that we don't just you know, 
As a matter of fact, let Scripture interpret Scripture, which is really kind of cool. You could develop this even more right. to different subject matters. Like, where could we go with this? It's like, you know, if you're a writer of a script or a, a, a sitcom or something, you know, okay, yeah. here are my players. What's the plot? So you can develop this into some other things. But what, what are the names of the couple that were espoused to one another? Mary and Joseph. So Mary and Joseph now come into the picture. Right. Uh, two people. Uh, I wrote this down. Mary means sea of bitterness rebelliousness, and wished for child. Huh. Now, now uh, however, it was not, or however, it was most likely originally an Egyptian name, you know, like a Miriam. Miriam, yeah. Uh, perhaps derived in part from my beloved or my love. Ah. So God can take something that's bitter and make it sweet. Right. Uh, Joseph means he will add or to increase. Right. That's pretty cool. Uh, and Jacob's favorite son was Joseph, the one with the coat of many colors. And Joseph of Arimathea gave up his tomb for Yeshua. Right. And you could develop some of these people like uh, the the mother and the father and, you know, and of course, you know, what the influence is. So, you know, and at the time that Joseph is named, right, uh, the father of of Yeshua, at the time that he's given his name, the Northern Kingdom has been in captivity for, you know, 600, almost 700 years. So you got to consider now that this is Jewish people that have been to Babylon and back that are still naming their children after heroes of the Northern Kingdom. Because, I mean, the Northern Kingdom is called the House of Joseph or Ephraim yeah, or Hebrew Israel. Yosef, that's my uh, second son's middle name, Nehemiah Yosef, yeah. Y-O-S-E-F, Yosef. Which is there, you look at that, it's Judah and Joseph right there. You know, yeah, Nehemiah. So, so, you know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, the names are very interesting. Oh, well, and you, that's the part that we could spend hours going through each one of these characters, um, especially because, you know, in the Torah, like I mentioned, you get up to, um, you know, I want to say that the Torah stops at, at probably, I don't know, probably Sam, Salmon, maybe Nishan, maybe. Um, I'm not even sure. Maybe even Ram or And after Minadab. Solomon, the kingdom was divided. But that's all post-Torah, right? So we've been doing Torah portions. So, like, I mean, we could literally go through things that we haven't gone through, just, you know... There's tons of stuff Thank here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Think about this. Everybody has a story. Every name represents a I story. Just, I just got this thought. If we could just tap into God's heart. So if he if he took the kingdom apart. Yes. He really did. Right. There were some bad times. He says he did it, yeah. Scattered them. There was famine. There was, I mean, there was just, Jerusalem was besieged, temples destroyed. I mean, people scattered. I mean, think about this, Ryan, the beauty of right now sitting at this table. God is restoring us back to the house amen is the road that you're on leading to god right so you don't have to get caught up in all this the, the government the cdc and the mask and the vaccinations and the man you you, you have your rights you, you use your rights accordingly you make good decisions whether to get the vaccine or you don't get the vaccine is a personal decision i'll just say that on the air to anyone listening or watching but everything's a personal decision but just think about it right, right now we can be in jerusalem we can be have right. a Jerusalem mindset yes. of peace and shalom right. and anticipation of what he's going to do. Right. Because if we can't do Beit Tehillah, we can't do with what's coming next. So these two particular characters are very interesting, Joseph and Mary. And, of course, we know that um, you know uh, Joseph, after a, a while, is... I guess he passes away. He does, yeah. He's no longer in his life. Yeah, we actually reason. don't get a lot of insight into Joseph and the life of Joseph. Um, this is just one of those pieces where we get some insight um, into into them, right? Into the, the parents. And God uses everyday people. Right. Just like us. Right. Let's let's move on. Let's let's look at this point now. Um, let's see what we got here. Um, uh, Mary and Joseph were actually betrothed and had not consummated the marriage. Right. So at this point, and we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture, but Mary and Joseph were actually betrothed and had not consummated the marriage. So you want to go into the discussion part, Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. So it says here, um, the, discuss the following examples of betrothal found in the Bible. And the examples are given Hosea 2, 19 through 20, and 2 Corinthians 11, uh, 1 through 3. And then, uh, why, and why dating is not biblical. Do you want to look up Hosea chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, and I'll lay the little groundwork here? I can almost quote it from my well, heart. Well, the thing is, you know, 
in the book of Hosea, God brings a judgment against his people, Israel, in the northern kingdom, the ten tribes. He brings a judgment in 722 B.C. They go into captivity. But what happens is he, he has a judgment. He executes it. But we get to return. Yeah. So he's setting them up for something in the future. Right. He's setting them up because it even says their little ones would be dashed to pieces. Uh, that's it's rough. Not, it's not a good sign. No. So there was the sin. There was the judgment which is two-thirds of the book, but the last one-third is a promise and a hope that he would gather Jezreel in that great day. Jezreel would be gathered. So let's check out Hosea chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, because that's going to really give us hope. Right, and Hosea is the prophet to the northern kingdom. Right. right? Hosea, uh, Jonah, and Amos. And Amos, yeah. correct. So uh, chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, it says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Um, so, so how many times is betrothed? Three times, right? Right. Well, and, and three is divine of the Lord. And imagine here, um, you know, we're talking about betrothal um, as a as a picture, right? And and again, we're talking to the northern kingdom that's been scattered, right? And so he's saying again, "I will betroth you to me," uh, but he's left them. He didn't say we're going to date once again. <laughs> no, we're going to have a blind too. date. No, no. So it, it's the the. The thing about, you know, betrothal is very interesting. It's legally binding. Betrothal is in the eyes of God. Right. And you need to get to get out of it according to, you know, God's betrothal. Now, you have the state of Florida and a marriage license and all of that. You know, um, we've had a situation where there was a, a betrothal, but they never went through with the marriage. So it never went through the state of Florida as far as a marriage license or whatever. So, you know, uh, it's just something to consider. Yeah, and think protect about. yourself, right? We still live in a, a physical world. Absolutely. And we still have actual governments. Right. Right. Um, protect yourself and get yourself a marriage license. Um, protect, and if you're a man, protect your spouse by getting a marriage license. Oh, yeah. So that if something were to happen to you, uh, and God forbid you didn't put together the other things that you could do to That's give, right. you know, then that your spouse would be entitled to your assets. And go ahead and read Second uh, Corinthians eleven one through three with with Paul in the Church of Corinth. I'm highlighting this right now. I love this combination of verses. I don't know what you know. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit that put you to take these two things and put them together. But it was just like boom! It just like blew uh, up off the page I think at it's me. Twenty years of experience. Oh, maybe. Yeah. If I'm going to look for betrothal verses. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Those, well, there you go. They just. It's beautiful. So I get it that these two, both of these say betrothal, but these two verses are connected. And this is, and I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you. These two verses are connected. It says here in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and he says this. He says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know what I love about this podcast, Ryan, is you're using the New King James Version. Be oh, man. I because should. it's good. Because oh, okay. I'm saying that I got King James. Yes. So you have New King James. I have both. So we Just can have like the, both of them because I, I've got the John C. Maxwell Leadership Bible. Yeah. It's New King James. Oh, okay. But I do like the New King James. I like King James. I like the New American Standard. Yes. I've got the ESV version yes. that I've been reading. So just so everybody knows what Ryan's reading from is the New King James Version, which is good because it gives you a little bit more, you know, understanding because it takes the these and thous out and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, I just want to say this, though, in regards to this, you know, Paul was like the best man for the Gentiles. You right. Know? And just like John the Baptist said, what? I'm a friend of the bridegroom. Right. And Moses was the best man. Right. So if Paul was sent to the Gentiles, oh, by the way, it says, I will send him to the Gentiles and to Israel. So we have the modern day church today. Mm hmm. But then we also have people coming out of the church that believe that they're grafted in, that they're Israel, they're wild branches. So really, the Apostle Paul covers everything right then and there. He said, I'll bring them over for kings and, and leaders and things. Uh, but in this particular reference, though, the church of Corinth, you know, you think about it. Wow, you know, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. And, of course, what it says is that, uh, you know, we get deceived. Right. 
So we're in this betrothal, which is with the intention to marry, by the way. My wife and I, we, we called it a courtship because we didn't understand betrothal. But courtship is with the intention to marry. Right. So if you're interested in somebody, there are steps that you take that we offer here at Bait to Hill. We, we, we do betrothal, not dating. But, and that's where, uh, where it's very successful. But like I said, uh, and I'll just say it again, is that um, you know, when you look at betrothal, uh, it's with the intention to marry, Amen. not play around and, and do all of that, you know, because because kind of the steps are very interesting. I don't have them all in front of me, but basically, if two people like each other more than friends, they have to realize that and then go to the parents. Right. And say, hey, we we like each other more than just friends. We think that there's more to our relationship. Sure. And so they begin to kind of hang out with with other people or whatever. They're never alone. Or, or touch or whatever, but they actually get the uh, both sets of parents involved and, tr- and try to get that blessing. Right. And then you move forward. And then when you, once you get the blessing, the next step is, is, of course, to set it up for betrothal, you know, within, you know, probably I'd say a year max. Don't drag out betrothal. Yeah. My wife and I had a long betrothal oh. for whatever reason, but I don't recommend that. <laughs> but you have circumstances, you know. I don't know. What could ever you be in a rush for? Uh, I don't know, but it is kind of interesting how, well, if you think about it, if we were betrothed October 19th, 1997, mm-hmm. and we were married in, uh, in uh, July 24th, 1999. That's a year and a half. It's a year and a half. Yeah. I guess I considered it a real long time. Yeah. It was a long It's the time. longest year and a half of your life. But, uh. Yeah, I remember getting a duplex and just waiting for her, for us to get married. I'm like, when, when when she got married to me and we married and she came into the duplex, it was like just the whole like duplex, finally the lights came it on, came alive oh. and like decorations <laughs> and nice stuff and the smelling of a home cooked meal. Yeah, oh yeah, it was just like it was. I I tell you, you know, it talks about you know leaving your mother and father, cleaving to your wife, but man, it was no joke, man. When oh, she yeah. came into that duplex, it was like. Just became alive. Praise like, God. Like the queen has arrived, you know. Yeah. The royalty. I'll never forget that, you know. It just changed everything, you know. But uh, I used to have a fry daddy and everything, so. But, uh, <laughs> All right, know. so, so uh, from Hosea, all right, I want you to walk through this with me, because here's what's cool. So it says he'll betroth us to, uh, forever, right? And we apply these verses to ourselves, but I believe that rightfully so when we look at the context, because we're talking to the Northern Kingdom, and Northern Kingdom is scattered, right? And so he's looking ahead, right? Without getting into a bunch of you know ways that, that all that connects to us today, as the Gentiles coming into our Hebrew roots, realizing our identity in Israel, and our the grafting in process, being brought back in, but that we're betrothed. So here's the process of how this has happened. So he says, right? He'll betroth us. Well, what's the betrothal process? You kind of hinted on it. The three steps to a, to a wedding. Well, meaning meaning the betrothal process from just a, a, a thirty thousand foot view, right? So there's the betrothal, and then the man goes to prepare a place for the bride. So you went and got a duplex ready. Yeah. Right. Okay. I've seen uh, like Braden Tally Waller have that video betrothed. He literally went and built a house, <laughs> like out of logs or something. You know. Yeah. That's um, that's the hard way. You know. Um, yeah. But I I would say that it's worth it. You know. Um, but a, a very cool story, which by the way, if you ever want to watch that, that's such a cool documentary, the betrothed. Go to Hyavel. Yeah, if you store, look up Hyavel betrothed. Marketplace betrothed. Yeah, it's in there. Outstanding. It is outstanding. So, but it says here, um, you know, that he took a lot of things away from us. So you mentioned you didn't know about betrothal, that you guys called it courtship. Right. All right. I didn't know about betrothal. My wife and I dated. Um, praise God, we waited until marriage um, to consummate our wedding. Yeah, so because we had the a- three steps of a wedding or a marriage is the first step is, of course, the betrothal, right? the ceremony, the consummation. Right. So you're at the first stage of betrothal, yeah. Right. So, so he says here in chapter two, in the same chapter, when he's giving out some punishments, and he says, I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, all her appointed feasts. So God is literally prophesying that he's taking away, you know, the Sabbath and the new moons and the festivals and all this away from the northern kingdom, that's right? right? So that's why we don't know the traditions. All this stuff looks foreign that's to true. us. That's why people point at things and they're like, oh, that's Jewish. Why are you trying to be Jewish? It's like, I'm trying to be biblical, and right? We get into the ten virgins and you oh, right. oil in your lamp right. and the midnight cry and here he comes. And 
Are you ready? Also in the same chapter, and you can read the whole chapter, it all meshes together and it's awesome, but chapter of verse 16, it says, and it shall be said in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband, Ishi, right? And no longer call me my master, Baali. Uh, because again, we're looking at the the bride and the bridegroom here is a, a covenant of marriage together with the Lord. So then you move, right? On to where we just were. I will betroth you to me. And so what happens in the betrothal process? He goes away to prepare a place. Well, what did Yeshua do? He came, right? And he laid down his life so that he could betroth us. And this is what Paul's talking about. So you get to 2 Corinthians at this point, and, um, and Paul is laying out exactly what this prophecy is saying. So this verse here when Paul is talking is showing the fulfillment of the prophecy from Hosea about betrothed about how he will betroth this because this is what he says he says for I'm jealous with you with a godly jealousy for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you a chaste virgin virgin to Christ but what is happening here the Corinthian church is in Asia Minor right modern day Turkey right it's a pagan Greek you know mindset idolatrous place they have the pantheon of all these different gods and um, and so they are worshiping all these other gods. And so much like the people in India that are Hindu, when they receive Jesus, a lot of times they're just adding it. See, there's Corinth. Let's see it. Where's that? Where Macedonia is. Okay. Okay. So it's just off of Asia Minor. Okay. So it's, it's going to be on the other coast. On Greece. It's in basically Greece. Yeah. Church of Corinth right there. There's Athens. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. So there's Corinth. So literally. Major commerce. Greek. Um literally Greek mythology, yeah. Greek religion. Right. And the, so he's writing to them because the point here is that there's one God, not many gods, right? right? There's one son of God, Yeshua, right? And there's one Godhead. That's right. And so when he's talking about presenting them a chaste virgin, he's saying, come out of her, my people, right? Come out of these That's things right. and let me present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, Right. And then he says, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. What's the simplicity? It's basic. There's one God. There's not many That's gods. True. You don't need an extra, That's you don't need right. to pray to this God and to this God. You don't need to know the name of this That's person. Right. There's one. One. And one son of God, one mediator between God and man, and that is Yeshua. And so it's a, That's good. a cool thing. So then we take this betrothal and we say, okay, well... God, in his covenant with us, right? He says that he's going to love us the way, or we should love our wives the way Yeshua right. loves the church. Gave himself for it. His bride. So when we look at what is the way that God has laid out for us when it comes to marriage, it's a betrothal process, a process where if a young man is interested in the young woman, he should go to his parents. His parents can go to the other parents. They can all have a conversation about right. that. That's true. Whereas the dating process is, oh, you, you're cute. Let's hang out. Yeah. Let's see how this goes. So what we do is we take our kids at the age of 18 or 17 or 16, even younger, right? And we say, hey, you're really dumb right now and full of hormones. And you have no idea the gravity of the consequences That's of right. your action to the rest of your life. Because it's you don't, life or death too, you don't have context. So now, especially with all the diseases out there, oh, the, all the sexual diseases, go check out the CDC and sexual transmitted diseases. Oh, it's bad. So yeah. why roll the dice? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's assuming that um, there's going to be some sexual nature to the dating process, which there usually is. Like, let's not fool ourselves. Promiscuity. Um, promiscuity. But even if it's just the emotional heartache that comes with, you know, taking the adhesive from the tape and then ripping it off and then putting it on and taking it off and putting yeah. it on and taking it off. The dating process that we've created is a travesty. It's um, it's basically created this whole world that's out there today where people are no longer getting married. Right? I see these videos and things on social media where people are like bragging, is like, "Oh, I, you know, it's me and my dog," you know, and they're like excited about this. Like, what a horrible <laughs> lifestyle! And they think it's great, but why? Because God turns them well, over to a yeah. But some are some are called to singleness. Uh, okay. All right, granted, there may be some, yeah, but mean, this is not the no. the the way that no. God has intended for things to be. No, but dating sets you up for divorce. Yes. Uh, courtship is with the intention to marry. That terminology you can look up and see for yourself. Right. You know, um, but once again, you know, we have to stop and look at right now we are betrothed to Yeshua. Yes. Jesus. You can walk away anytime and not be the bride and not have it consummated. 
So that's the stickler right there. Yeah. See? That's the stickler. That's what the marriage of the Lamb is. It's a celebration. Right. So, so how did Mary get pregnant if her marriage had not been consummated with Joseph? It says right here in the Bible, the Holy Ghost. And I like the Immaculate Concession term because I'm Catholic. But uh, the Holy Ghost. <laughs> what is that? Now, once a Catholic, you know, always a Catholic? If you go Catholic? to Genesis 3.15, the first message, yeah, once a Catholic, always a Catholic. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is that um, the bottom line is that in Genesis 3.15, it talks about the two seeds. Right. The woman has seed and the Satan has seed. So the homo sapiens have seed and so does Satan. Well, God has his seed, right. his sperma. Yeah. See? So this is where it gets to be really kind of interesting as far as science goes or whatever. But a literal seed was placed in Mary that was God's. Yeah. So that's pretty special. Yeah, uh, I would say so. Uh, and of course... Um, it goes to develop that then then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily, Matthew one nineteen. Yeah. So some things are supernatural, some things are happening, like there's no way she could get impregnated by God. Now, it's interesting that at this time you have Greek mythology. Mm, you have fallen angels, right, the right. Nephilim, Genesis six. Right. Angels leaving their first estate, inappropriate relationships between angels and Homo sapiens. Right. You know, and I even bring and it up. Demigods, out. half man, half right. god. Right. Yeah. So that's already played. Hercules. Out. So yep. this is nothing new, really, to that degree. Right. But as far as Joseph being a Jew, he's not into Greek mythology no, and all this right. other crazy stuff like Yeah, God impregnated me and oh, was it Zeus? Yeah. <laughs> Were you with Zeus? Did he come down as a stallion? I mean what yeah. what, what what's going on here, Mary? No, because she's a Jew, too. There's no right. Greek mythology between the two of them. Right. Or hanky-panky, whatever. Um, now, he was going to divorce her privately, which is very interesting. I, I have a little quote here. Uh, Some people are quick to judgment and love controversy. Right. That's not Joseph. He's not quick to judgment, and he, and he doesn't love controversy. So he didn't embarrass her. He didn't do tit for tat. He didn't expose her. He, he was, and this is why we have to go into the next question, because that's actually found in Matthew one nineteen. But, so what character trait did Joseph show towards Mary for not divorcing her publicly, Ryan? Mercy. It has to be mercy. Right. Because, boy, he could really give it well, to Well, imagine. Her. I if, can't believe you're with another man. I can't believe you're with somebody else. I don't. And I'm going to, that's it. You're going to get it. I, I got to say, um, I, I, you know, because of the gravity. Mercy because she could have been stoned to death for adultery. Right. I, I don't know if, like, I want to say that I probably would be merciful, but I would be angry at first, and I probably, mercy wouldn't be my first reaction. And he was going to divorce her. He was going to put her out, right? Yeah. He, he just wasn't going to do it publicly. Right. So that there wouldn't be, um, you know, some public display. He was a righteous man. Right. Right. Exactly right. And merciful. Um, yeah. But something happened. Go ahead. Share something it. happened. Share, says, the, share says, the good news that every man needs. Who was it that came to Joseph in a dream to tell him that her pregnancy was from the Holy Ghost? It says the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. Now, if we let Scripture interpret Scripture, it's insinuated or it's just assumed it's Gabriel, right. the messenger angel. Right. If you go back and read the cross references or where the story's found within the other Gospels, you right. can add some more flavor to it some more spices to it if you want but it doesn't say gabriel in here no it doesn't it says the angel of the lord but i'll tell you what um you know i've heard people kind of make comments in the past of like you know he still had to make the choice to listen to the angel like i don't know man an angel shows up in your bedroom and i you know uh whatever he says like okay you got it (laughs) it takes an angel right (laughs) right you know that you think about this is a supernatural act of god for an angel absolutely to come to Mary to tell her she's impregnated by God. Right. It didn't just happen that she's pregnant. She wasn't with anybody trying to figure it out herself. Right. The angel had to come and Yeah, we don't her. even get that here in this chapter. But you're going to see, I think in the last days, like even now, there's going to be some angel activity. Uh, it was brought up in our prayer meeting. Absolutely. I, I think, um, you know, more and more as the dark gets darker, the light gets brighter. And there are going to be um, situations where there is no other way than supernatural intervention. And that's the thing about a major act of God, that he shows up as a theophany and different things. We could develop that as well. But, but, but the angel of the Lord told Joseph, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So in English, that doesn't make a lot of sense. 
I mean, that's just, um, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, but in English, it says, you shall call him Jesus for or because he shall save his people from their sins. So help me understand that. I mean, Yeshua came the first time for the sins of humanity, but his return will be to rule and reign in his kingdom. Right. So, But his know, name means... Salvation. Right? To save, yeah. Right. We're going we're gonna to get into that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we're, we're moving on here. We're, we're already at, at, at 40 minutes on this podcast. It's so easy. It is, man. We can it's just so easy, and I've condensed it down, but it's even easier just to go, hey, let's go here, let's go there. Oh, yeah. And, and hopefully we inspire you and trigger something in you to say, hey, I'm going to go check, check out the lineage, or right. I'm going to check out the line of Judah and different yeah. things. But, um, or betrothal. <laughs> so we're going to move on here. We're, we're, get, we're getting there in this first chapter, which is pretty cool. Uh, so discuss the consequences of sin. Yeah. So basically what I have is this. Sin is missing the mark and Torah is hitting the mark. Right. I won't develop that anymore. Right. Uh, what are the consequences of sin? I will say this. Pain, suffering, and even death. Right. Now you could develop this into whatever you want. You can. But God is sinless. He is perfect. He is holy, righteous. There are no faults in God. But we are fallen creatures living in a fallen world and the prince of this world the ruler of this world is Hasatan. Yeah. That's why it's imperfect. Right. He was the first one to have iniquity. If you study the word iniquity, he was the first one to have iniquity found in him. Right. So he came against Yahweh. So he has iniquity and, you know, out of spite, he wants to keep us away from God. He doesn't care if you worship him. He wants to keep us away from God. That's why it's so important to ask for forgiveness for your sins. Amen. So uh, I have two, two verses that I want to read. The first one is Romans 6, starting in uh, verse 20 through 23. And it says here, uh, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is uh, Romans chapter 6. Um, Romans 6. Yep, yep. and so that I did 20 through 23, but the big verse is 23, which is uh, for the wages it's, it's of sin what, is death. Verses what? 20 through 23. Okay, i to check that out. But the big verse being 23. Okay. There. So then my second one, and this is, this is what I want people to understand, that the consequences of sin are real. Like, we've been studying the Torah for the last four years, right, here on the podcast, yeah. on more than that. And that's how we know what sin is, by studying the Torah. Exactly. Now, um, there are some sins, some, some transgressions in the Torah that stoning is uh, the punishment, right? right? Death, literal, physical death. That's true. But then there's another one, and that one is excommunication, right? Being put outside the camp, that right. you're kicked out. Yeah. And so when you're kicked out, this is the picture of, a t- of separation from God. You're separated from That's God's right. people, and you're separated from the presence of God in the tabernacle outside the camp, because God doesn't want to be close to you. That's right. right. He wants the camp to be clean. You can't be close to God, right? So... I find that interesting because that's a picture of what we're seeing here. The consequence of sin is a broken relationship with God. But here's what's cool. Because of what Yeshua has done for us, Ephesians chapter 2, um, which I'm in, uh, I'm in Galatians, not Ephesians, which, you know, no big deal. I'll just move over one verse. Galatians? One yep. I'm, no, I mean, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to Ephesians, but I accidentally was in Galatians. Oh, okay. They're good. right next to each I'm other. I'm going to keep Ephesians. All right. All right. So Ephesians chapter 2, and it says here, Therefore remember, and this is verse 11, uh, you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called circum- uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Right? So that's the consequence of sin. You're a stranger, right? You're aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Uh, you, um, you don't have the covenants of promise. You have no hope. You're, and you're without God. So that's the consequences wow. for sin. But then verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's excellent. It is excellent. It's well, good that's news. self-explanatory, you know. 
That's the gospel. It's self-explanatory. <laughs> That's the gospel. That's the good but news. But as we develop this whole immaculate conception with, with God's seed in Mary, it says right here in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Hallelujah. Now that reference is Isaiah seven fourteen. You know, that's the prophet Isaiah. Sure. But uh, the Greek word parthenos, or virgin, corresponds to the Hebrew term alma, mm -hmm. which is used in the prophecy of Isaiah 7.14 regarding the virgin birth of the coming Savior. The Hebrew word alma, virgin or maiden, generally denotes an unmarried woman who is a virgin. Right. So it's just that simple. It is, and, and the, there are people out there that would say that that prophecy is just saying a young woman or a maiden, not a virgin, but there's nothing extraordinary about a young woman having a baby. She Most was, women that have yeah. babies are young women. You know, if we know God's character and attributes, Mary did not know a man. She was pure and holy. No, and absolutely. But I think I'm, what my point in saying that is that there are those that would decry the whole virgin birth idea altogether by using that verse. But I'm right. telling you, there's nothing extraordinary about a young woman having a baby who's been with a man. That's true. But there is something extraordinary and prophetic built into the verse in uh, Isaiah 7:14, using that word. So Mary has the angel of the Lord come to her about the immaculate conception that right. she's with the seed of God. Right. Joseph gets a revelation from the angel of the Lord. Right. So they have this story to collaborate yeah. and, and be in agreement. Hey, this is going down. So when was the marriage between Joseph and Mary consummated? Well, this is a hot topic if you're Catholic. <laughs> I'm just saying, when was it consummated? After the firstborn son of Jesus was After born. After the firstborn son Jesus was born. Uh, and this is another thing that we can develop as well, is also Yeshua's siblings afterwards. Right. From Joseph. Well, for okay. those that would say that there is some sort of perpetual virginity of Mary, I would say that verse, 125 in Matthew, pretty much puts that to bed. Yeah, so basically Yeshua had brothers and sisters. Okay. Right. Uh, the New Testament describes James, Joseph, or known as Joses, Judas or Jude, and Simon or Simeon as brothers of Jesus. Right. Also mentioned, but not named, are sisters of Jesus. Ah. So Joseph was a good man. Yeah. He was a man of passion. <laughs> good for him. Thank God Jesus wasn't an only child. Amen to that. You know, and at first they thought he was crazy and this and that. You remember they were looking for him and yep. they're like you know, thinking he's lost his mind. Right. But then what happened? They became believers. Yeah. And he was the firstborn son, right? And, uh, you know, I've heard people criticize uh, Joseph and Mary before for, like, leaving Jesus in Jerusalem. But then I was like, I don't know, man, when you got a bunch of kids and then you got a bunch of people that you're traveling with, sometimes your kids are off hanging out with, you know, people, you know. That's true. <laughs> so, so what does the name Jesus mean? The name Jesus or Yeshua means God, salvation, Yahweh is salvation, or Yahweh's salvation. Yeah, Yahweh saves, or Yahweh is salvation. Right. So what I love about God is that he's the creator, we're the creation. Yes. So this all fits into into place with the Torah portions. It really, sure does. Especially the creator. Yeah. Now absolutely. he's created a seed called, you know, Yeshua, which is God in the flesh. Right. Now you've already got Greek mythology, which people believe. Right. Why would you believe that Jesus is God then? I mean, it's so easy if you yeah. go from Greek mythology to this whole thing. Uh, basically, uh, the name above all names is Jesus, Yeshua. Yeah. So think about it like this. God's greatest attribute towards mankind is salvation. Hallelujah. He wants to save us. You know, I was in my apartment. I was early saved, born again in my apartment. And I started to get inspired to write songs and play and sing praises and do some things with the Lord. And he, he took me to Isaiah 118. And I wrote a song. And Isaiah 118, I did. I wrote this song. And here's the verse. I love this, how God is so cool. He says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So God was like telling me in the living room, Listen, I want to reason with you. You've got a lot of sins. You're coming out of a lot of stuff. Right. But I'm going to wipe it clean. Like white as wool. And man, that song just came to me. And Praise I started God. playing it, but he took me to the actual verse. Didn't have a, didn't have nothing. 
just led of the Holy Spirit. And then he was like telling me, listen, I'm a holy God. You're messed up. You know, dating and all that stuff. You, you know, you don't even know what's good for you. You got to stop all this stuff. Right. So, so once again, his greatest attribute is salvation. So in, in closing, Ryan, uh, what two points can be learned from the, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 1 through 25? Um, the first one is pretty simple. Uh, God can use anybody to work his plan. That's good. You know, there's a list of names there. I like that. There's a I'm list of names there, right? A list of names um, you know, for the genealogy of so Yeshua. God can use anyone. Right. And listen, there's people in there, like you mentioned already, that... Uh, so God can use anyone... Anyone to work his plan. To work his plan. He can use wow. anybody to work his plan. That's right. And so that means even you. So if you're watching this or you're listening to That's this. That's right. God can even use you to work his plan. Absolutely. Praise Participate. God. Absolutely. As you practice your faith, he'll use you. That's right. That's why we're having Jewish people coming into our lives. That's right. Because it's a last day's ministry. Amen. There's got to be... The Gentiles got to support the Jewish people right now. Come out of the nations. Wake up. So what's number two? Number two is betrothal is a reflection of God's redemptive plan. Right? He's betrothed us. He's preparing a place for us. And so we need to stay faithful. betrothal is reflective. Right. Of God is a reflection of God's redemptive plan. Betrothal is a reflection of God's redemptive plan. And so we are... um, we are, our job is just to be faithful to our bridegroom. Amen? That's good. While he's away. Uh, here are my two. That's really good. I got to write that down. Uh, number one, God took on flesh and his son Yeshua to save all of mankind for their sins. Praise God. Wow. That's a good one. Yeah. God took on flesh and his son Yeshua to save all of mankind for their sins. Uh, okay. I love this one. Number two, God is also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God is with us. Right. Wow. And God wants us to participate with him today. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. You want to close this out in prayer? What a great time together. I would love to. Father, we're so blessed. We're so grateful. We're so thankful for your word and especially today for the book of Matthew. And for what a miracle it was that just 42 generations you orchestrated to bring your son into the world that we would be part of your family, that we would have a way to salvation. And so we praise you and we honor you and we thank you today for this, Father. And we're just, we're in awe of how you can take all of these little details and work them together and that you can can you can send angels, you can work miracles, you can even have a virgin give birth to a son, Father. And so for all these things, God, we're just so grateful and thankful. And so we love you. We bless your holy, holy name in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed Matthew. This is our first time. We're going to keep going with the book of Matthew. So next week we're going to be doing Matthew uh, chapter 2. Chapter 2, the whole chapter. We'll be doing chapter 2. So bless you guys. Have a great week.